book is so awesome. I can do anything. This book is so awesome. I am the potions king. Did you hear that half book prince? I said I was the king. Can you hear me, Professor Snape? I can make anything. This book is so awesome. Hi, my name is Joel Watson. Lily Watson. And you're listening to Potter and Daughter, the Harry Potter podcast, where my eight-year-old daughter reads through the Harry Potter book series, and then I talk to her about what she's read. And this puts us at the end of book four, right? Yes, finally. <laughs> Which is the basically the halfway point of the entire series, if you take into account the size of the book's uh, the middle of book four, or close to the end of the book four, would be halfway through the whole story. So we are at the halfway point. This is uh, the middle of Harry's story. And this also marks the final episode that will be recorded based on a book that you've already read, right? Yeah. So starting with the next episode, which would be the first of book five, uh, Harry Potter and the Order, Order of the Phoenix... The Phoenix uh, that'll be the first time that you're reading As where you don't know everything that's going to happen. Which makes it more interesting. I think it will. Uh, it also means that our update schedule will probably change because you will probably not be able to read a quarter of the book every week because the books just get longer and longer. So our update schedule may change to every two weeks, but that's not a problem. Just keep your iTunes subscription or your RSS feed subscription and when there is a new episode, we will release them. So we are at chapter 27 of uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Padfoot returns. As we know, who is Padfoot? Sirius Black. And Padfoot is the name of what? The black dog that Sirius turns into. Yes, because he is an animagus and he has the power to turn into... An animal, I believe, is he also an unregistered animagus? No, I think I th he is. I think he was registered. I don't think so. I don't think any of the the marauders uh, were registered. I believe they were all three of them were unregistered. I think I know that um, that um, Harry's dad wasn't. Yeah, I don't think any of them were. I think they like to keep that a secret just so they could uh, keep uh, Lupin company. So. Uh, at the beginning of this chapter, Harry gets a letter from Sirius, which uh, I guess his letters are being delivered by owls still. I guess there's no interception of the owl post at this point. Uh, telling them to meet him uh, at the next Hogsmeade weekend, right? Yes. I think he wants to know what's going on. Maybe I don't think he so much has news for Harry. He just kind of wants an update uh, as far as, uh, you know, what's your life like? Who's trying to kill you these days? <laughs> uh, what sort of horrible dangers are you in? What's cool? When uh, what's horrible? When Harry and Ron and uh, Hermione are in potions class, Malfoy uh, has a article from Witch Weekly by who? Rita Skeeter. Rita Skeeter. We don't like Rita Skeeter. She's uh, she's nasty. Like in the last episode, we explained she was pretty bad. Yeah, she she writes. She's a sensationalist journalist. She only wants. Uh, she only wants readers regardless of whether or not what she's writing is true or or fair. And uh, it describes uh, Hermione in a pretty um, unusual light. 
Uh, what does it say about Hermione in regards to Harry in this article? It um, it says that um, Hermione has suddenly found a taste for famous wizards. Yeah, it says that she's uh, kind of uh, attention-grabbing, that she's uh, bouncing around from Crumb to Harry, that she is toying with their hearts and... Uh, ha- um, how is Harry feel, feeling about this um, latest update? Something like that. Yeah, and, and it paints Harry in the light of uh, someone who's a victim. It, it, her article makes it sound like Harry is the victim of this harpy, this shrew that's toying with his emotions. And Hermione has literally nothing to do with this. Uh, the story is a complete fabrication. They are not romantically involved in any way. Every word in the story is a lie. And because of that, uh, everyone involved will suffer in some way or another. So that's that's the kind of person Rita Skeeter is, and that's what her work brings about. Um, she's not really offended by it, but she doesn't... I don't think she yet knows what, uh, what will come of this article. Um, Hermione does wonder, though, how Rita Skeeter seems to know details of things she couldn't possibly know... She knows details that happened between Harry and Hermione when they were in the tent before the dragon challenge, when they were completely alone. Uh, how is she getting, you know, how is she getting all this behind the scenes info? Who's snitching on them or who is, you know, how is she spying on them? So that's something she's interested in. Like you said in the last episode, maybe it was a quick quote squill. Yeah, maybe she sends it flying around uh, to take notes for her, but... Uh, don't think that's actually what happens. So, uh, so anywho, uh, Snape grabs this article and as punishment for reading in class, reads it to the entire class. Do you think he did that as punishment or do you think he did that to embarrass Hermione and Harry? He did it to embarrass them because he hates them. He hates Harry. And I think by extension, he has no fond fondness for Hermione because she's obviously friends with Harry. So, I think he sees this as an opportunity to uh, embarrass Harry, cause him some trouble, and uh, and really just sort of make fun of him to the entire class. Obviously, I'm sure any Slytherins in attendance would would find this quite hilarious. After class, uh, Snape wants a word with Harry. Do you remember what for? Mm -mm. He thinks Harry has been stealing his potion stores. Oh, yeah. Do you remember what happens then? Snape warns him that if he does it again, he's going to get detention for a week or something. He also tells him that he's going to use Veritaserum on him. What is Veritaserum? Once you get at least three drops down your throat, um, it makes you tell the truth. Yeah, he says something like... Uh, makes you confess stuff. Let's see if I can find Because he actually has a good quote. He has a... Uh, like... My hand might just slip. <laughs> it's hard to remember if it's if it's the movie or the books, but uh, yeah, he says it is very serum, a truth potion so powerful that three drops would have you spilling your innermost secrets for this entire class to hear. Unless you watch your step, you may just find that my hand slips right over your evening pumpkin juice. Yeah, so. He, uh, he's threatening him, he he's makes, embarrassing him, he he's ma- bullying him. He makes B and P like P. Well, in the books he doesn't, but Alan Rickman's portrayal in the movies certainly uh, 
uh, does. Alan, ha- R- Alan Rickman is who plays Snoopy. Yeah, he's an actor named Alan Rickman. And he actually talks like that. That's his real voice, pretty much. He's he's embellishing a bit, but that's that's really his voice. But uh, so anywho, um, he's basically saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to force you. Do you think... Do you think teachers are allowed to use these powerful potions on students? No. Probably not. I bet Snape would do it, but I bet there would be some consequences. Who busts in and breaks up this little threat session that Snape is having with Harry? Kakara? Yep. And he's got a problem with his arm. Remember what's wrong with his forearm? I don't think this is where it's revealed in the book, but we know what's wrong with his forearm. What's showing up on his arm that hasn't been there before? The dark mark. The dark mark. Okay, so we'll, we'll we'll talk a bit more about that later, but he's saying, uh, you know, Severus, it's darker now than it's ever been since, back since when, you know. You know, so he's, Harry doesn't know what they're talking about, but they're definitely hiding something. So uh, the next day they head off to Hogsmeade Village and they uh, run into a black dog who leads them into a cave. Obviously this is... Sirius Black. And he's taking them for a, uh, you know, a meeting, an update. How has he been getting the news uh, while he's in hiding? The Daily Prophet. He's been stealing the Daily Prophet every day. And uh, he's growing concerned that, uh, you know, these events at the Quidditch World Cup, uh, that that uh, there's there's mystery surrounding Barty Crouch, that, that Bertha Jorkins is missing, the Dark Mark appeared. Uh, he also gives us some backstory about Barty Crouch Sr. Do you remember what he says about Barty Crouch's early career around the time of Voldemort's rise? Wasn't Kakarov still a Death Eater and he got judged for names? Uh, This is something we'll hit on later. Uh, Yes, Barty Crouch was a part of that. But basically, um, he was rising uh, in popularity politically. He knew that it was possible he might be the next minister of magic. So he decided to make some new laws that might make him more popular by seeming more tough on evil wizards. So he said that ors, which are evil wizard hunters, are allowed to kill evil wizards instead of capture them. He authorized them to use all the unforgivable curses on even just suspects, not confirmed death readers, not confirmed evil wizards, but even suspects, he would, they were allowed to use unforgivable curses. And uh, then when Voldemort disappeared, it seemed like he, Barty Crouch was going to be the next minister of magic. But then something happened with his family that prevented him from becoming the minister of magic. What happened with Barty Crouch's family? Didn't his son turn evil? His son was accused of being a Death Eater. And so Crouch, in order to seem like he was tough on evil wizards... Even his own son. Even his own son, anybody, sent his son to Azkaban. Now, Sirius was sent to Azkaban by Barty Crouch with no trial. Barty Crouch said, I got all the evidence I need, and uh, no trial for you, no, no opportunity to defend yourself. You're going to Azkaban. So he, he wasn't even treated fairly. Uh, let's assume that his son probably didn't get much better treatment than that. But, you know, perhaps he was also actually evil. Uh, so anywho, he sent his son to Azkaban, and uh, Sirius wants to know, and he said he, you know, he died uh, about a year after he was in, imprisoned. 
Um, Sirius wants to know if Snape is involved. Wait, who died? Barty Crouch Jr. died a year after being sent to Azkaban. This I don't remember. At least that's what was reported. Uh, so Sirius wants to know if Snape is involved, because Snape was already always interested in the dark arts, and he knew more curses than everybody else, even some of the Death Eaters. They want to, you know, he wants to kind of feel out, like, is Snape doing anything weird? Harry tells him about the Dark Mark situation. Of course, he doesn't know it was the Dark Mark. Sirius wants to know if uh, they can get a hold of Percy, because where does Percy work? Uh, in the ministry. Yeah, and they want to find out if he's heard anything about Bertha Jorkins. She's missing. Is Crouch doing anything weird? Have they seen him lately? Uh, Sirius says, when I'm a dog, you probably shouldn't call me Sirius. So what does he tell him to call him? Padfoot. No. He comes up with a different dog name. You don't remember? It's pretty silly. Uh, no. Snuffles. <laughs> says, call me Snuffles, and then nobody will know who you're talking to. So chapter 28, The Madness of Mr. Crouch. In this case, we're talking about, I guess, Barty Crouch uh, Sr. Harry, Ron, and Hermione, when they were in Hogsmeade, they bought a present. Do you remember who it was for? Is it serious? Nope, it was Dobby. They bought him some clothes, I believe. So they go and give it to him in the kitchen, and they see Winky there. And how is she doing? She's not doing good. What is it that's bothering her so much? Having jobs. Not only that, but her... Master dumped her. Yeah, her master is... Uh, Barty Crouch. N- no longer... Barty Crouch is no longer uh, her master. And that's something that she... That's affection that she craves. And so she's she's doing bad. Uh, she's drinking six glasses of butterbeer a day, which is a lot for a tiny little elf, I guess. That kind of makes her drunk. I think so. She also says... Uh, she holds some of his most important secrets by being his house elf. Uh, and in this case, it seems like uh, Winky is sort of a loose end for Barty Crouch that she knows a lot about him, but he, he still sent her away. So perhaps Barty Crouch doesn't fear Winky telling on him, right? She seems pretty loyal, but we don't know what she may know or what she may not know. But she's not happy, obviously. So uh, Hermione got a subscription to the Daily Prophet. And what kind of mail does she start to get? Is it fan mail? No. What kind of mail does she get? Hate mail. Basically. Uh, because why, though? Why, why are people suddenly strangers upset with Hermione? Because of Rita Skeeter's article? Oh, yeah. So one of the things uh, Hermione gets is some sort of gross liquid that comes out of the envelope. And uh, covers her hand and gives her all kinds of bumps and boils and, you know, uh, painful uh, spots on her hand. Uh, People are hating her because they think she's breaking Harry's heart, right? Yeah. But obviously she has nothing to do with any of that. Uh, So that's that's really bizarre. Um, Then they go to Care of Magical Creatures class and Hagrid shows them Nifflers who are uh, sparkly, and they're, they're used for magical treasure, treasure detection. Do you remember what treasure they detect? Um, Something a magical creature would have hidden. What would a magical creature hide? It's leprechaun gold. 
And so uh, the Nifflers dig up some leprechaun gold that Hagrid is buried. And uh, I believe this is where I think maybe Harry gets to keep the leprechaun gold. I could be wrong, but I know he ends up with a pocket full of, of leprechaun gold. And this is probably where it happens, uh, which is important later because uh, we find out. Do you remember what the secret of leprechaun gold is? Yes. What is it? It disappears. And so what happens uh, later, I think Ron is the one who asks about the leprechaun gold. Yeah, it's Ron, George, or Fred. So Harry real, you know, checks his pocket or whatever, and the leprechaun gold's gone. And I think Ron is pretty uh, shocked that Harry didn't even notice. But this says something really important about Harry. Why do you think Harry didn't notice the gold was gone? Is Harry someone that cares a lot about money? No. Why not? Because um, he because he already has a lot. And why do you think a Weasley would be so concerned about a pocket full of gold going missing? Because the Weasleys don't have very much money. So this illustrates something important about Harry and about everyone, really, in that let's call Harry rich. Harry is maybe not necessarily rich. We never know exactly how much money he has. He has enough money that he never has to worry about it. So let's call that rich. Yeah, I kept on saying to you and mommy that um, that Harry never refers to himself as rich and famous. He doesn't perceive the fame and he doesn't know very much about the wealth. He just knows that his needs are taken care of. And because he's not greedy, it doesn't register with him that often. But... The important thing about this this little sort of brief exchange with these two characters is uh, when someone is already rich, and, and especially when someone is born into it, they didn't have to work for it, uh, they don't necessarily notice when they get a little bit richer or a little bit poorer because they're still so far above everyone else. Whereas you're in the position of the Weasleys, an extra pocket full of gold could change your week, your month, your year could change your life. Losing a pocket full of gold could have the same negative effect on you. So they're very concerned about every little bit of money they can get. Now, the interesting thing about these two characters in particular is that Harry doesn't care about money because he's got enough. Ron is aware of it, but Ron is also kind of doesn't care about money because that's not what his family uh, is concerned about what? What are the Weasleys more concerned about than money? What do the, What do the Weasleys seem to prize most of all? I, I would say it's each other. Um, what do you think? Yeah, probably. Like in that I Heart Weasley song that I was talking about mm-hmm. in the last episode, it talks about how much the Weasleys don't care about wealth and fame. They just care about friendship and each other exactly so for two very different reasons these two characters of of vastly different social and economic statuses uh both aren't greedy and both don't really care about money it's just that ron notices when money is gone when it's gone you especially if you don't have it so it's just something to think about uh that our that our characters come from very different backgrounds and they live very different lives, but they do manage to have some of the same values in terms of uh, valuing friendship and family above money, especially Harry, who doesn't have family. 
and I'm sure would gladly give up all of his wealth if he could have a family. Uh, they get a letter from Percy saying that Mr. Crouch is taking a break. So now Bertha Jorkins from the ministry is missing. Uh, Barty Crouch Sr. is missing, it seems. Strange things are up at the Ministry of Magic, it seems like. Let's see. Uh, McGonagall tells Harry to go to uh, the Quidditch pitch at night where he's going to learn about the third task and what has happened to the Quidditch pitch. Um, they grow a bunch of hedges and make a maze out of it. And what does Harry learn about the challenge? What is he going to have to do with this maze? He's going to have to go through it and face a lot of challenges worse than we, what he's already faced in his life. <coughs> and he has to get somewhere to the maze and, um, where the Triwizard Cup is. Yeah, hidden. it's going to be hidden in the maze somewhere. So the first person who gets the cup, they, they win this event, basically. Um, and so Ludo Bagman is the one explaining that there's going to be obstacles, creatures, spells, all sorts of challenges. And, uh, afterwards, Crumb wants to talk to Harry. I guess all the champions met there. And I specifically remember one, um, one trick that Harry gets. Okay. Um, it's this one where he just takes a step and then everything turns upside down. Yeah, that's one of the things he'll encounter when he gets into the maze is an enchantment that turns that reverses sky and ground, basically. Um, Crumb wants to have a conversation with Harry about Hermione. Do you remember what Crumb is concerned about? He's concerned that Harry likes her. Yeah, he's like, hey, what's going on with you guys? Because uh, I'm thinking Hermione's going to be my girlfriend, but it, I don't know. Do you like her? <laughs> At this point in the book series, too, I think it was pretty common for people to assume that eventually Harry and Hermione would end up dating in some capacity. So they're the most logical choice uh, of all these kids to get together. And Crumb's like, uh, yeah, I want to, where do you stand? Because I want to know if I should make my move or not. Uh, but they are interrupted by some noise behind the trees. What do they find, or rather, who do they find? They find Barty Crouch laying on the ground. And he's fine? He's no. clear-headed? He's speaking in complete sentences? No. No, what's his deal? He's talking to nobody, and he's kind of cuckoo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's definitely he's babbling, he's out of his mind. He seems frightened, delirious. Uh, so they go to get Dumbledore. I guess Crumb maybe stays with him and Harry goes to get Dumbledore. Uh, Snape and Dumbledore come out and they, they run to the forest. What Snape was doing there, we don't know yet, I guess. Uh, when they get there, everybody's gone. Uh, Crumb, or, Crumb and Crouch are not there. And uh, then they find Crumb. Where, what sort of state is Crumb in? The same as Crouch. Well, he's stunned, basically. I think he's, uh, you know, stupefied. Uh, through some sort of spell, perhaps stupefy. And then uh, Dumbledore sends for Hagrid and Karkaroff and Moody. Uh, everyone arrives. Karkaroff is furious, thinking it's like a plot uh, to... He, he's he's terrified. We don't know why, but he thinks there is, there is uh, 
a conspiracy against him somehow. And, uh, and Hagrid takes Harry back to the school. And I guess they have not found Crouch at this point. Um, so chapter 29, the dream, uh, in the Owlery, Harry, Ron and Hermione are wondering what happened to Crumb and Crouch in the forest. And Fred and George come in with a letter or to send a letter. Nobody ex- wants to explain what they're doing. And, uh, Ron, ex- Ron suspects that his brothers are blackmailing somebody. Uh, do you know what blackmail means? Yes. What? It means that you're making somebody do something or forcing them not to tell something or they will tell or do something bad to them. Correct. Exactly. Uh, They're like, no, no, we're not really blackmailing him. It's just uh, we got us in this letter. It's more of a joke. But what they're talking about is uh, we'll, we'll find out later is that they are owed some money. And they need money to do what? What is their life's ambition? Oh, to finally open a joke shop. Yeah, because they they craft their own joke products, their own candies and 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 uh, joke spell items and whatnot, and fireworks and all that. And they're good at it. People like it, but they can't operate out of their uh, dorm room at Hog- Hogwarts, right? Mm-hmm. They've got bigger and uh, better plans. <laughs> And so they want to make a full business out of it, but they got to have money to do that. Probably not going to get it from their parents, right? Uh Uh-uh. They certainly probably don't have any saved. I would imagine Hogwarts is a really expensive school and that Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are probably just scrimping and saving just to send their kids there. So, um, you know, they, they need help. And it seems like if somebody owes them some money, they're trying to collect on it. Uh, so that afternoon they go check on Miss, uh, on Moody to see if anyone's found Crouch. So far, nobody has. Moody wonders if he was kidnapped. Harry gets another letter from Sirius telling him to be more careful about being alone with Crumb. Uh, Why do you think Sirius is suspicious of Crumb? Because he's because uh, he is under the school of a of a used to be or maybe still is Death Eater. Which we still don't know yet, but Sirius knows that. The audience doesn't know that yet. Uh, but yeah, he might think that perhaps Kakarov is training his students to be, you know, dark wizards or something. Darkness, Eve, bones. But he uh, suggests that Harry brush up on his protective charms, his stunning spells, his disarming, uh, and that he might need to learn a few new hexes to complete this third task. Maybe his skills are not quite up to uh, snuff for what awaits him. Eh, snuff. He also tells him that one that we should keep in mind is the impediment jinx, which will slow anything down. So uh, later in Divination, taught by who? Professor Trelawney. Yeah, so Harry, not too big on her class, falls asleep. What happens to Harry while he is asleep in Divination? He dreams about something. He dreams about uh, some scary stuff. He dreams he's flying an owl to a, a house on a hillside. He goes in through the window and he sees a huge snake and another person and he hears a conversation between Voldemort and Wormtail. Voldemort uses a crucial curse on Wormtail. But Harry is sort of witnessing this meeting at this house that we will later learn is uh, Tom Riddle's father's house. 
I never knew that he used an Crucio and Wormtail. Yeah, uh, it shows that he's, you know, he's not, not too kind to those in his service, obviously. Uh, something else to point out, I don't remember if it's here or if it's later, but it might have even been at the beginning of the book when Voldemort tells Wormtail, I have a job for you that any of my servants would give their right arm to accomplish. Which is kind of a play on words. It shows that Voldemort knows what's coming, what I, has to be done. I know what this is. Yeah. So we'll get to that in a minute. But Harry wakes up screaming, clutching his scar, freaking out. Do you remember how Professor Trelawney reacts? Is she worried about his safety? Does she want to get him to the hospital wing? Not really. She is interested. She's enthusiastic about it. She wants to know what he saw, and she feels like maybe this is a divination type thing. Where This is another thing why she is crazy and not looking out for the children's safety at all. Yeah, she thinks it's cool that, uh, that he's had this uh, evil vision that's caused him intense pain. Like, I remember that in the beginning of the book, um, it said that his scar was was hurting worse than um, metal wire that was put in a fire on his head. Yeah, sounds pretty bad. He says, I gotta go to the hospital wing, and he leaves. Does he go to the hospital wing? No. Where does he go? Who could help him the most when he has a vision of, of Voldemort? Dumbledore. He goes to Dumbledore's office, and uh, Moody and and Fudge, the Minister of Magic, are already in there. And uh, Moody, using his magic eyeball, looks right through the wall and sees that Harry is listening in. He's like, oh, guys, here's you. <laughs> so we should probably stop our uh, secret conversation. Chapter 30, The Pensieve. Harry uh, is kind of waiting around for Dumbledore to get rid of Fudge and Moody. And Harry is kind of noticing magical items hanging out in Dumbledore's office. He sees Fox, the sorting hat, the sword of Godric Gryffindor. He sees something else in a black cabinet that he's not seen before. Uh, what is it that he sees in this cabinet? It is the Pensieve. And what is, a, or first of all, what does it look like? It looks like a giant goblet with blue, with blue um, um, pumpkin juice in it. Well, it's a whitish, it's blue, it's bluer in the movies. It's a whitish silvery substance. It's kind of like mercury, um, sort of a, sort of a transparent whitish metal liquid. Um, And it's in a basin, which is more like a sink. Dumbledore explains what the Pensieve is. What, what is a Pensieve? It um, helps you um, take your, take thoughts out of your head. Wait, no, I'm sorry. I'm, let me correct myself first. No one explains what the Pensieve is. Uh, Harry is alone at this point, but we know what a Pensieve is. So go ahead and explain what it is. A Pensieve is um, is you take your thoughts out of your head with a spell and then um, lay them out in front of you and see it. And in the movie, we've already seen it, but... But it lets you remember things that maybe your brain is too full to remember. So you can actually save those memories in like magical vials. And then if you want to re-experience them like you were really there, you can pour them into the Pensieve and then gaze into the Pensieve. And sometimes it feels like you fall through. Well, what happens when Harry tries to look into the Pensieve? He actually does fall through. He falls sort of into it, like through a, a magical portal. And where does he end up? He ends up in a trial. 
So there's a room full of angry witches and wizards. There's a big chair in the middle. There's a lot of screaming and shouting. But um, nobody can see Harry because he realizes that Dumbledore cannot see him when somebody shakes hands with Dumbledore right through stomach. Yeah, he's not there, really. He's It's like he's watching a TV show, so like, he's not... It's like he's a ghost. Yeah, he's not really there. So he's not... Uh, He's not a participant. He's just a viewer. He sees two Dementors bring in uh, a man. And who is it? Who's on trial? Kakarot. And so now Harry knows for sure that uh, that at least at some point, Kakarot was a, a criminal. Uh, and, and now for some reason, he's allowed to teach children. He sees Barty Crouch there. Barty Crouch Sr. is the one asking him questions. And what do they want to Karkaroff to tell them. Names of other Death Eaters. Yeah, they want him to give up people that are still in hiding. So at this point, Voldemort's dead. Harry's parents are dead. Uh, The Death Eaters, some of them have been rounded up by the Ministry, but not all of them. And Karkaroff says uh, that he can give names. He gives them the name uh, Dollarhov. And Crouch says, we've already apprehended Dollarhov. He says, Rosier, Evan Rosier. Crouch says, Rosier is dead. Travers, Travers, who helped murder the McKinnons. Augustus Rockwood, who works for the ministry at the Department of Mysteries. And uh, then they're like, whoa, we didn't know about that. So like, we've got someone working at the ministry. Who's evil. Who's in service of the Dark Lord. Okay. And they're like, fine, fine, we will. Uh, Send you back to Askman. Yeah, we'll check it out. No, wait, I've got more. And what was the last name he gives them? No, actually, the second to last name he gives them. Severus Snape. So this should be a big revelation to Harry that Snape was at least accused of being a Death Eater by an accused Death Eater. But Dumbledore says what? Dumbledore's there in the trial. It's his memory. So what does Dumbledore say in Snape's defense? Um. Or actually, Crouch says this. They both they both sort of do do it together. What what, what do they say about Snape? He uh, he's been giving a given a second chance, and he's still grumpy, but he's a good person now. Uh, they, yeah, sure. basically they say he was cleared of these charges. Then Dumbledore says uh, Severus Snape was a you know a Death Eater, but he's he's joined our side, and he was a spy, so he was. With Voldemort, while feeding information to Dumbledore and the Ministry, um, what does that say about Snape? He was sort of good and bad at the same time. Well, I think it says one side of Snape that we have not seen before is that he was brave, because that sounds incredibly dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the most dangerous guy in the world, and you're... You're sitting right there with him, collecting information and then giving it to his enemies. Um, that seems like, you know, something a coward would not do. But Snape has not seemed very brave thus far. So that's an interesting side of him. And then fine, he says, uh, you know what? And this is where the movie and the book diverge, because that's actually the end of that scene, uh, because then that, that fades away. And Harry sees it come back to a new time. And again, Barty Crouch is there. And he sees Rita Skeeter and Dumbledore. And it's a different trial. Oh. 
Yeah, the movie combines it all, so it's kind of it's kind of mishmashed in my head. Uh, they bring in Ludo Bagman, this guy that's been running the Triwizard Tournament, uh, and this Quidditch enthusiast, former Quidditch player. He's on trial, and uh, he has to explain his contact with the Death Eaters. Yeah, in the movie, it's all Kakarot. Uh, Bagman explains that he did not know he was tricked, that he might have been under like an imperious curse. Uh, Rockwood was a friend of his father. He didn't know uh, that he was a Death Eater. And Rockwood promised him a job at the ministry. The jury is like, okay, you got tricked. You're you're innocent. Uh, and then that, that, that scene sort of goes away. So now Harry knows that even Bagman was suspected, maybe at this time, in the wizarding world, a lot of people were being suspected, do you think? Yes, but what about Bertie Crouch Jr.? Well, then we go to a new scene. There's three scenes? Yeah, he sees three different memories. Oh, God. Uh, he Basically, Dumbledore, the reason Harry is seeing these things is because these are the three memories Dumbledore has put into the Pensieve, which means these are the three things Dumbledore was trying to relive recently. So perhaps Dumbledore expects that the information from these trials is not is somehow relevant to what's happening now uh maybe one of these people is actually guilty so now you see mr crouch you see his wife and she's a wreck and their son barty crouch jr is brought in what what is with her, what is with the wife she's crying uh, she's upset because their son is the one on trial uh with two others they're accused of capturing the Auror, Frank Longbottom, and his wife. Who is Frank Longbottom and his wife? Neville's parents. Those are Neville's parents. So now we know that Neville's parents were dark wizard hunters, and they were subjected by these people that are being accused uh, to the Cruciatus curse to the point that they went insane. They tortured them for so long they lost their minds. They're both still alive. But they can't take care of Neville. What happened to them? They were tortured with the Cruciatus curse until they went crazy. How how were they how crazy were they? Were they? Too crazy like, to take care of a kid. Like what were they acting like? Bananas. They don't know who they are, they don't know what's going on. Their minds were shot by this Cruciatus uh you know, experience. And they're all sentenced to life in Azkaban. Even Neville's parents? No, the three who... Oh. Now, I don't believe it's revealed at this point, but besides... Because Harry doesn't know who they are. But besides uh, Barty Crouch Jr., these other two are the uh, Lestranges. Bellatrix and somebody. The movie writes out the boy entirely um, and just talks about Bellatrix. But anywho, uh, she's nasty. Bellatrix, I don't. I you don't know no her idea yet. Who that is. Yeah, that's just the the, the, the the Lestranges are who are also accused with uh, Barty Crouch Jr. They're all sentenced to life in Azkaban. Crouch's son is constantly claiming his innocence and saying uh, the other three uh, or the other two. How many people are there? It's three others. So it's the Lestranges. Somebody else. I can't remember. Anyway. Party Cross is like, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. They're all saying, it was us, and we're bringing Voldemort back to power. Deal with it. They're not even... Trying to defend themselves. At all. No, they're proud of what they've done. They are uh, seemingly, uh, you know, to the end, 
they're going to support Voldemort no matter what happens to them. Like, whatever. We're supporting Voldemort in his story. Yeah. And uh, Dumbledore asks Harry to come back, and they, he sort of snaps out of it. He's back in Dumbledore's office at this point, and he explains to Harry what he's just seen, that it was a pensieve, that you're seeing my old memories that I've stored. But Harry tells Dumbledore about this dream he had in divination. Dumbledore asks him about his scar. Did it hurt? And uh, Harry's like, well, yeah, but, you know, why? And he's like, don't worry about it. Harry would like to know if, if anything has happened with, with Barty Crouch, if they found, you know, if they found him at this point. He wants to know, what is he, does he think what he had was just a dream, or does he think it might be something more? I think he thinks it might be something more. I, I think he thinks that perhaps he has seen something that really happened, that he has not just had a dream about Voldemort, but that he's actually witnessing real things that Voldemort did. And uh, now there's three people missing. There's Bertha Jorkins, there's Barty Crouch, and there's a muggle named Frank Bryce. I remember him. Who's all been missing. He was at the beginning of the book. But uh, he also says, look, I don't know for sure, but in terms of Voldemort getting stronger, probably... Because, uh, you know, like, I, I believe, I don't know if this is where he says it or who says it, but someone says, uh, this is just like last time that Voldemort rose to power. People start disappearing. That's the first step. People that are problematic start disappearing. Uh, Harry asks about the Longbottoms, and Dumbledore tells him what I told you, that they're at St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies. And that Neville had to be raised by his grandmother because they were tortured until they were Insane. crazy. Yeah. Uh, chapter 31, the third task. So Harry tells Ron and Hermione about the things he saw in the Pensieve. And they are very curious. And they sort of speculate about what, what all of it might mean. Uh, but they all decide you got to practice your, your spells. Let's, let's put all this behind us for a minute. We're all going to get together and practice your defensive charms and your offensive charms. And your various curses that might help you when you go into this maze. Because no one really knows quite what to expect, right? Mm -hmm. All we know is it's going to be difficult, probably scary, probably dangerous, probably deadly. So uh, Harrius gets, Harry, Harrius, Harry gets <laughs> a letter from Sirius telling him to be careful. And the day of the third task, uh, Hermione gets a new copy, copy of the Daily Prophet, uh, the new issue. And it's got another article about Harry. She, at this point, she starts trying to convince everybody that he's insane. She says that his scar hurts all the time. That Malfoy told her that he can speak parcel tongue. And uh, she thinks Harry is going to be uh, excelling in the dark arts. Excelling in the dark arts? Doing well in that subject. And again, they wonder how... Does she know these things? How does she know about Harry's scar hurting? How does she know any of this stuff? Where is she? How does she even know Malfoy? Yeah, where did she where did she run into Malfoy to uh to ask him these questions? She's not supposed to be there. So who knows? Uh Hermione thinks she has an idea though, but she doesn't tell the others. And uh then McGonagall comes in, she tells him that uh Harry Crumb, Floor, and Cedric are requested in the hall after breakfast to see their families. The families of all, all the champions are there. Uh, you got Amos Diggory, you got Crumb's parents, 
Floor's parents and her sister, the Weasleys, and Bill, uh, they've come to see Harry because Ron's not a champion. Uh, because they're, you know, obviously they're more family to him than the, than the Dursleys ever have been. And uh, Mrs. Weasley mentions that she hasn't been back to the uh, campus in like 20 years. So that, that's interesting to me that all of her kids go there. But she never shows up for like a parents week or anything or. There's I don't know. not a parents week, I don't think. I know, but it's just odd. They send their kids away for nine months and... Almost never see them. Yeah, never see them at all. And there's no phone. They just get letters. So, I don't know, it's weird. And um, howlers. Yeah. And so, uh, so it's time for the third task. Uh, Hagrid, Moody, McGonagall, and Flitwick are going to be patrolling the outside of the maze. And uh, if anybody... Gets into trouble. What are they supposed to do? Um, they're supposed to send up red sparks with their wands. Yeah, they're supposed to send sparks in the air, and they'll come fish them out. Which is odd to me because it seems like like what do you do if you don't send up sparks? Does do the like, do the monsters in the maze kill you? Like what if you like what if you can't? What if you pass out? Yeah, it's another thing. Yeah, it just doesn't seem very safe. Uh, so Bagman starts uh, sort of announcing the event, telling everybody to get ready to enter the maze. Uh, Harry uses uh, a spell to sort of figure out where he's where he is and where he where he maybe should go. Uh, and he runs into Cedric. Cedric's like on half on fire. And he says he's run into blast into scroots, which are enormous now. So now we realize that Hagrid has been contributing to the dangers of the maze, right? Yeah. Hagrid has created some of these creatures that are going to be terrorizing Harry and the other champions. There are Dementors. Ah, but then he realizes it's a Boggart. And he ridiculouses it. That's right. It wasn't an actual Dementor. Yeah, I was like, wait, put Dementors in the race? I thought it yeah. was Boggarts. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so Harry runs into a golden mist. He hears Fleur in trouble. And he tries to run through the mist. That's when everything turns upside down. Uh, but somehow he manages to get out. Yeah, like, he steps um, in the gold smoke thinking it's nothing. But then he's like, wait, hold on. And he's afraid to take another step because he's afraid that he's going to fall. But he takes another step and everything's good. So, uh, yeah, he meets a sphinx and he has to solve a riddle. And then uh, he runs into Cedric. And Cedric is being chased by who? Crumb. Yeah, he's, and Crumb doesn't seem himself. Yeah, and his pu- and his pupils, they're smaller than usual. He looks weird. He looks like he is maybe under a spell. They get away from Crumb, and they finally get to the center of the maze, I guess. And Floor, I guess, is just gone. Yeah, I don't remember how she gets um, knocked out. In the movie, she's like eaten by roots. I don't think that's what happens in the book. But, but uh, then Harry breaks it and then sends up Red Sparks for Floor. Yeah, that's what happens in the movie. I'm not 100% sure what happens in the book. But uh, but they find the Triwizard Cup. and At the same time. And they start like pushing each other back into the roots. So well, in they... the book, uh, an Acromantula shows up, too. Oh. Um, and Cedric doesn't even have his wand. Uh, so what does Harry decide to do? Go get the cup? No, he decides to... Um, doesn't Harry, like... Fight the Acromantula with his wand, and then he, and then he saves Cedric. Basically, yeah. Um, he gets his wand back. Uh, they, they, Harry's having a hard time on his own, and trying to dis, trying to get rid of the uh, 
Acromantula, but once uh, once Cedric gets his wand back and they both stupefy him at the same time, Spider gets blown away. And um, Cedric's like, "You deserve it. You're the one who saved me." And Harry says, "No, you take it." What do they What do they finally decide? They do it together. They both grab the cup on three. One, two, three. Grab the cup. They both win, but then turns out somebody's- the cup is a port key. Hey everybody, this is Joel. I'm going to go ahead and interrupt the episode right here. This one ran pretty long, about two hours, while we had uh, just tons of information to cover for the end of book four. So we're going to split it into two episodes, and uh, next week we'll pick right up where we left off with the uh, end of the end of the end of Harry Potter book four. If you do like the show, please uh, do consider supporting us via patreon.com slash hijinksensue. And leave us a positive iTunes review, why not? Again, keep in mind that after these two episodes air, our schedule will likely change based on when Lily uh, actually reads the books. I'm hoping to do at least every two weeks, but we will release them as they are available. If that means once a week or three times a month, uh, whatever is possible is when they will come out. And I'm really looking forward to getting to episodes where she doesn't know what's going to happen next. Uh, I think that'll be a lot of fun to see what kind of theories she comes up with. So for Potter and Daughter, this is Joel Watson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. Tune in next week for the second half of the final episode for book four, The Goblet of Fire. Thanks a lot. This book is so awesome. Darkness, Eve, Bones!